2: Are we generic bros? Sometimes! Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Marcus, Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? We made it. You know, week 15, you got the
3: Saturday games. Uh, it means we're really here. We're really here. The TNF yeah, is ending after where, this week. Where, where are we? I, I don't know what that we're, we're to the point of the season where like Mark Sessler is like, okay, we've made it to mid-season. That he can start planning his off-season a little bit. We're, we're towards the end. I think that's accurate. I mean, this because you can sneaky think
1: like, "Hey, w- there's all these pole moments that we've, you know, well, you know, there's still like nine more weeks of grueling action to get through." And um, you know, I'm not, I, I don't see midpoint or anything at this point. Just keep rolling, grueling. put on the blinders, and keep flying, Dan North.
2: Yeah, and I mean, in past years, yeah, you can start to peek ahead. Uh, because we're very lucky to have these jobs. We know that. It's awesome working for the NFL and talking about football for a living. But by the time you get to the middle of December, there is a grind element to it. And then you take that little peek. Uh, let's get through when there's all these bad teams playing, and then the fun little playoff jaunt, and then you have a little bit of time to yourself to plan things, as you say. But no, there's no planning. There is a staggering pandemic upon us as well. So maybe <laughs> we should just, just like stay in this world, live in this little... Uh, bear den that we're in and try to enjoy it. Because once football's gone, then what do we have?
3: What do we it's have? Yes. The Australian Open starts like
2: minutes after the Super Bowl ends. So there you go. Oh, there we go. So everyone is all set. Um, yes, this is week 15. This is our preview podcast where we go through every single game to come um, Thursday in the books. But we have two Saturday games, always fun. Always liked Saturday games. I'm glad it came back. I felt like it was gone for a little while there, right? Uh, earlier or in the middle of last decade, and now it's back. And it does it does remind me of the holiday season. I enjoy it, and I sit down and I, I might have you know a Tito's. I might enjoy myself a little bit in a way that I don't when it's Sunday. So that's the, looking forward to that. And then a big slate of games on Sunday into Monday, uh, and we do this when we go through the games draft style. And it just so happens. Now, the old Zeusa has the first overall pick and, and sitting right there. Just so happened. Staring him in the face. Potentially the game of the year. Kansas City Chiefs at New Orleans Saints. Whoa, potential Super Bowl preview in the Superdome. And what's not to love about this game? You have the Chiefs absolutely flying high. Uh, One loss all season. Patrick Mahomes, even last week against the Dolphins, when he threw three interceptions, still showed how uh, mighty he can be. And the rest of the team as well. McCall Hardman uh, with the return for a touchdown. Uh, The defense getting stops when necessary. Uh, But, you know, the Saints are the team that is more interesting to me right now. And we could start there, Greg, because uh, we don't know quite what's going on with the quarterback situation right now. Uh, but the Saints have their first loss in two and a half months. Which version of the Saints shows up against a Super Bowl champion? I think a great version. I think people have given up on the Saints
3: team too quickly. They are number one in DVOA on Football Outsiders for a reason. They have been a top five franchise for the last four four years, it is so hard to have that level of consistency, and right now, they're kind of the Saints team that Saints fans always wanted, like one that can win with defense, and an offensive line, and a defensive line, and yeah, you lost in Philly, that was an embarrassing loss, but proud teams respond, and I'm like, hearing all these Saints fans that are just chalking this up as an L, like, oh, wow, it's like, oh, Teddy Bridgewater, and Derek Carr, and Drew Locke, and Tua, you know, had Chiefs on the ropes or in a close game in the fourth quarter, but oh my gosh, oh, the Saints couldn't possibly win a game against the Chiefs And this game doesn't even matter to the Chiefs. I think that means something in December. Which game does it matter for more? The Chiefs can lose this game and still win home field advantage. It's a big game for the Saints. I'm with you,
1: Greg, in the sense that I feel like Saints fans are real down on the team right now. And, you know, Sean Payton um, acknowledged last week against Philly that their first half... That was the flattest half of football they played all year. I thought they bounced back pretty well in the second half. That had a lot to do with, um, you know, the Eagles' secondary being shredded by injuries. But this is a Chiefs' defense that is, I think, they're very productive and underrated. But they are they're giving up the tenth most yards to uh, mobile rushing quarterbacks. So that's mm. that's not terrible for Taysom Hill. Um, I'm with you. I think that the the Saints show up to this and are being a little bit undervalued nationally right now. I think it has a lot to do with. Football has so much recency bias that sometimes we almost refuse to even peer back beyond Mm -hmm. the most recent game. And that was, you know, Jalen Hurts brought a lot of electricity to Philadelphia. No tape on the guy. And that can be a challenge. And I think that that maybe threw the Saints off a little bit. Um, I think they'll respond. There's a lot of tape on the Chiefs. The problem is the Chiefs. When they, Even like last week against the Dolphins, when they stumble into their own mistakes, they're so elastic, they find a way to bounce back. I wonder if the Saints get into a hole offensively. Can they bounce back?
2: I feel like we're tilting at windmills a little bit, acting like everyone doesn't believe in the Saints anymore. I, I, they had one loss, but they came off a nine-game winning streak before. The Saints are fun. Saints are awesome. Uh, so I, I, It's Taysom. I, it's Taysom, I, Taysom it, down. It's Taysom, and I get it. And, you know, he has... The thing about Taysom right now is that you don't know, what have we learned about Taysom Hill in these starts so far? I feel like I'm still kind of in the same place. I guess I I have a little bit more confidence in him and his ability to throw the ball and drive the ball downfield. Um, He's not a totally one-dimensional guy. This is not Tim Tebow by any stretch. So that I learned. But did I learn that this guy is a true uh, you know franchise-level quarterback who can be the guy that replaces Drew Brees, I don't feel any more confident about that. And I don't think Sean Payton probably does either. If you if you asked him privately, like Mark, I know you and Sean Payton have rubbed shoulders literally at the <laughs> scouting combine in the past. I don't know if you ever sure. asked them that that question, but it does go back to a little bit. The Chiefs are so explosive on offense. If, if they get out to a, a quick lead in this game, I don't think a, a Taysom Hill-led offense is going to be able to combat that.
1: Well, we 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 touched very briefly. That's the last head coach that I had physical contact with, <laughs> um, and uh, you know he he shared no secrets. But he did tell our friends Steve Weiss and Jim Trotter that you know he hinted on their on their show that he thought Sean that Drew Brees this was probably the last season. He intoned that and that Jameis Winston would have a chance a full chance to compete against. Uh, Taysom Hill. So I think that tells you a lot.
3: I think, you know, it's early in the week, but Breeze was activated from injured reserve. He's throwing the ball at practice. They need to win this game. If Breeze has any chance to play, you're going to play him this week and try to get that home field advantage. So we might see him, and it's the rest of the team that needs to step up. The Chiefs, by the way, could be missing their top three tackles. Eric Fisher now has a back injury. Mitchell Schwartz hasn't been there for a while, and this is not uh, a defensive line in the Saints, that you want to be banged up up front. This has not been a perfect Chiefs team. They're great; they get it done; they win week after week. But I I can't call them dominant when the defense has as many holes as they have. And right now, their offensive line uh, has some struggles.
2: Yeah, and we're still waiting to see Chiefs blow the doors off teams for four quarters. Maybe that's just not who they are. They they do tend to lose focus sometimes. But this might be the type of game where they're going to be so up for it and know the spotlight, and it's a Tony Romo, Jimmy Nance game. that they are going to deliver that four-quarter effort. And you know what? You don't get a chance when we do our our lock games. We don't get the chance to lock up the Chiefs too often, okay? Because they're such heavy favorites that we have a mirror test. And we say, if you can't look in the mirror and lock a game up uh, in good faith with yourself, don't do it. Well, when it's a game like this, when it's a NFC favorite, uh, absolutely, I can look in that mirror and say, the Chiefs will win and I will lock it up. Uh, in week 15 and I'm feeling pretty Ooh. confident Mark coming off my lock off victory or uh, with the Ravens over your brownies. So let's fly.
1: Well, I like that. Um, you're not going to be having a lock off with me this week because I'm going to be following suit. Um, I have not locked the chiefs up all season and I'm about to do it right now. And I don't really care what you think, Dan. It doesn't bother me at all what you think. No Go cheeks, lock it up. You're no both honor. going
3: down. I picked Complete the Saints honor. to win this game. I'm not locking them up, but you're both going down. I picked the Saints to win this game. I'm hoping that Drew Brees is back. If Drew Brees isn't playing, I might flip that pick. But I really think if they have Brees and he's anywhere close to 100%, they have a good chance to win this game. They are a better uh, overall team and can win different sorts of ways. I don't, Listen, I don't think it's a questionable lock we- at all. We don't.
2: We don't need to hear about you picking the Saints if you're not locking up the Saints. Come on in. Right. Let they keep. Do they
3: keep the record. You know, on NFL.com, that's enough. Yeah. I'm oh, I type. I mean, something look at your. You're we'll your matching yeah, Saints please, colors. That's right. Just go with it. No,
2: I don't. Oh, I, I don't, I don't, don't succumb
3: know. to peer pressure. You know me enough yeah, for really. that.
2: All right. The draft now moves to Mark Sessler.
1: All right. I'm going to go take an early game. Uh, Patriots at Dolphins. I continue to be intrigued by this Dolphins team. I mentioned last week that I thought that they were up for anything. Um I didn't guarantee that they would beat the Chiefs, but I thought they played them tough. And a lot of the elements that we've seen from Miami um, showed up in that game. And, you know, we were on this beat a while ago, Greg. And um, I, I'm going to mention a research packet that our research team put out showing all the parallels between this Dolphins team and the 2001 Patriots. Mm. And I thought it was interesting oh, we're that still Ryan doing Flores this. this week— We're
2: still doing the 2001 well, Patriots-Dolphins Our thing. research
1: department is now doing okay. it. And, and, and believe me, I think actually the parallels exist. If you would like to— tell I'm not the Elias Sports Bureau, but they they suggest as much. And um, you know Brian Flores this week was asked, uh, you know, are are you a defensive coach? How do you? He said, hold on, I'm not a defensive coach. I'm just basically a football coach. I care about offense, defense, special teams, and that sounds like total coach data speak, except. The Dolphins are that team week after week, and I think that Belichick sees that and recognizes that. The Dolphins right now, you've got the Pats, the Raiders, and the Bills to close your season. That is a rough-and-tumble uh, slate to try to get into this playoff picture, but I think they can do it. And it is very interesting to me to watch the Patriots in a division where at this stage they are watching other teams in the AFC East rise up while they, they move and shift into an offseason flush with intense questions. I love this matchup.
3: Mm. I'm with you. I uh I think the parallels are there, Dan. A very similar uh style of defense, maybe not as deep, but coming on strong late. 8 and 5, that's the same record the Patriots had at this point. They didn't lose another game back in 2001. You got Xavier Howard, maybe that reminds me of the the uh 2019 Patriots with a defensive player of the year Canada at cornerback making plays every week. And we talk about the mirror test, Dan. And mm-hmm. I get in, in in a a few way it can go a few different ways because to me this is the game i feel most confident about all week that the dolphins will take care of business that they're better they're barely favored and i think a, a season worth a season's worth of the desert underestimating the Dolphins and overestimating the Patriots comes home to roost here. Because what do the Patriots do better than the Dolphins? Absolutely nothing on on either side of the ball. Um, but I looked in the mirror and like I, I can't do it. I can't. I remember Mark did this once, locking up against his own team. But it's just like, what sort of fun is the world if you're locking <laughs> up against me? So that didn't pass my own mirror test, even though I, I think the Dolphins will win.
2: I mean, if you think of... The Patriots are already pretty much dead in the water here, obviously, with their record um, at 6-7. and seven, But this is an elimination game for them. They have to win, uh, or it is over this incredible playoff streak. And then you look at rookie QBs are 7-21 and 21 versus Belichick uh, all time. I'm not saying that Tua is going to go down in flames here, but would I be surprised if Belichick, with his back against the wall... Uh, cooks up a stellar game plan against the kid. Wouldn't be totally stunned at all. Uh, but the problem is with the Patriots, and this, this is coming back now, it seems like a weekly thing. After they got spanked by the Rams last Thursday, Bill Belichick is asked, is, asked, is Cam Newton your quarterback, starting quarterback next week? He says, yes, he is. And it's almost like it doesn't really matter. Cam uh, is no longer the same guy he used to be. And Jared Stidham, the quarterback, hasn't given us any reason to think he's the answer, and the rest of the roster is simply not good enough. So, who starts for the quarter at quarterback for the Panther or for the Pats doesn't matter. It's more like Mark said, a, a question of what happens in the off season with the Patriots. That's the most interesting mm. thing about them at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's clearly a lack of interest or faith in Jared Stidham. I don't even know why the question keeps getting asked at this point. I mean, they would have put him in it multiple times. And I think there is, you know, some understanding that Cam Newton is what he is right now. But this offense is so limited. And, you know, they they played well with the Dolphins last time. But this is a Dolphins team that's different than the last time they met. I mean, to coax the, the, the Chiefs into four turnovers... That's the DNA of this defense, and it's someone different every week stepping up. So I'm I just i kind of with you, Greg, that I would be surprised if um, the Dolphins don't show up here entirely, um, create some havoc as they do on a weekly basis against a pretty defunct offense. Mm. I mean, the only way the Patriots are going to put holes into Miami, I think, is a, is a tremendous rushing attack.
3: Right. Well, they don't they play against the Miami strengths. Like, okay, you're great blitzing and you're great picking the ball off. We're never gonna throw it. And that's you know, that's what the Patriots I think will do. That's what they did in week one. It worked, it can at least maybe keep the game close if their defense plays well. But I really like what I've seen out of Tua Tunga by Lowe. I don't think it totally shows up in the stats and everything that you see. But the the injury apocalypse they had late in that game doesn't look like it's gonna hurt him past this week. Looks like Devontae Parker Parker uh is back, Jakeem Grant is back. Kyle Van Noy is back. Those are all key players. You don't get Mike Gasicki, but I think they have enough to get it done and stay in the race. This is almost a must-win for them too. I really think they are going to going to need to get to 11 wins to make the AFC playoffs. If they only Got get to win 10, out. it might might not be enough.
2: Yeah, and there is the added benefit here. You get a high, a, you know, vitally important win here. Uh, you also say goodbye to the Patriots and kiss them off. And for every team in the AFC East. Uh, this has been a season of change, and finally a release of all this tension uh, that New England has brought to them over the years. That would feel good too. Uh, don't feel don't make for any for you.
3: You're more invested in this Patriot season at this point than I am.
2: I mean, no, no offense. It's just no, no offense <laughs> taken. But you have to understand, <laughs> and, and I think you do, uh, that there is a psychological impact that the Patriots had over the other three teams of the division over 20 years, and now the Dolphins get to be that team potentially to say bye bye, Bill. Bye-bye. Go get your rebuilding started. Got a lot of work to do, buddy. If he's watching this, he is going to
1: pound you in the face. Oh, he
3: loves this show. Hey, Bill, what's up? (laughs) Greg, you're up. All right. For this game coming up, I'm very excited uh, this week to watch the Washington football team. How about that? Them getting a third draft pick in this uh, show, going up against the Seahawks. It's not a great slate of games here, but this football team has been, Uh, resilient throughout the course of the season. I think it's a great test for Russell Wilson. I know uh, Washington is banged up right now. They might not have Antonio Gibson. Dwayne Haskins is trending to start at quarterback. But that doesn't change the matchup. When Russell Wilson has the ball, he has not looked comfortable against non-Jets defenses in a long time. And Washington has exactly the type of defense, I think, that can make him uncomfortable with pressure up the middle. Jonathan Allen, to me, has not gotten enough credit this season as being kind of the key to that defensive line always winning in the middle helping out chase young who's coming off his best game montez sweat all those guys against the seahawks offensive line i think can keep this game ugly can keep it closer than the seahawks are really comfortable with and i think about that game when they were in philadelphia and seattle had a hard time putting away the eagles the Washington defense is good enough to ugly this thing up, and I think it's a perfect test for where Seattle's offense is at because if they can't beat Washington, even if they win the game, if the offense is not playing well against Washington, good luck against the Rams next week. You're not going to win the NFC West. How about that? The Rams. I know you love that, Mark Sessler.
1: (laughs) Well, I love it as much as I need to. Um, I would say, you know, Seattle's offensive line's a little banged up. And I, I'm interested in watching Washington every week based on Chase Young at this point. I love Chris Wessling comparing him. To uh, Lawrence Taylor, to some degree, uh, he's he's completely that type of game-changing defender. I feel like he's sort of a death from above operation. That if he gets in your grill, he can end a team real quick. He did it last week, and Seattle was given tremendous trouble by the Giants' pass rush. So why not Chase Young against an offensive line that's struggling right now? Um, on the flip side, I know we like to say Seattle, you know, can't rush the passer, and I, I think we mentioned it on our um, flagship show that they lead the league in sacks since week nine. They're they're Creating that in different ways. Jamal Adams has set an NFL record for sacks by a DB. Um, so he's a big part of that. And, you know, Washington's offense to me is far from electric. Without Gibson in there, if that's how that goes, um, they are just not the same operation. And I don't really care who's playing at quarterback. I will say this these two teams right now would meet each other in the playoffs at the season ended today. Wow. It's a spicy matchup. And if Washington ever got to January, you have to look at Ron Rivera as a coach of the year candidate for what he's done um, from the minute he took over. This job, what he's been through personally, and where this team is today.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't put anything past Washington. Now they've shown us enough uh, against good teams and bad that they can win games, they can hang in games, and Chase Young is like, you know, he, he's. Kind of something to learn from because I feel like a month ago we even had this conversation on this podcast. Where's Chase Young? Second overall pick. He was supposed to be a dominant force. Well, sometimes it you know, guys get there in stages, and, and the fact that he's here now and he's in exactly what Washington uh selected him to be, which is a dominant uh force on the defensive line, and uh, that changes so much about them. Washington is one of three teams that have four players with five sacks this year. They have forty sacks on the year. And Russell Wilson, like we're saying, yes, take out the Jets game because that's basically a glorified exhibition for these contenders. And he can get frazzled, uh, in the face of pass rush. And he has a tendency. And this is part of what makes him a great quarterback, too, to hold on to the ball, to try to extend plays. And I don't know if that's going to work with this Washington, uh, defense. So if they, if, if the Seahawks do have a comfortable win here, it's going to be because, because the Washington offense imploded.
3: Right. I I don't mind Haskins being back in there. You know, I really enjoyed Alex Smith you know, coming in, playing quarterback, the story. And I thought he played really well his first two appearances. I think he progressively got worse as teams got more tape on him. It's not just rookies that you can get more tape on and realize their limitations or <laughs> what the offense doing. It's veterans, too, and I think defenses had a good read on what Smith was doing. Maybe Haskins gives you a little more. Maybe he doesn't make quick enough decisions, and the Seahawks defense, which is playing better, just shuts him down. <laughs> but to me, Gibson's the bigger story. I They were just, to me, a two-player offense with a little Logan Thomas. It was Gibson and McLaurin and a good coordinator. But now it's kind of just McLaurin and Thomas, and that's a lot to ask. The Seahawks should not stub their toe here. They should basically all all but clinch a playoff spot, and then they have the division titles going to be up for grabs next week.
1: I think mm. the Seahawks fans are probably saying, um, excuse me, who's going to be covering DK Metcalf? Because if this is a relatively low-scoring game, you get a good game out of him and this thing could be curtains. So, I mean, it, there, there could be some challenges on Washington's offense to keep up. And for all we've mentioned, um that's why you'd have to tilt Seattle to some degree too. But uh it's kind of crazy where we are a year ago, like a year ago to today with the whole Washington program. I mean, they were as ultra boring as you could imagine a football team to be. And there's life now there's narrative. um, There's things to like. I like the uniforms. I like the coach. I like the whole thing. So this is a very unusual um scenario, Dan. Right.
2: Mm. I'd like to see maybe in this offense, uh, this offseason, the offense gets better and becomes a little more exciting, you know, with all due respect to Alex well, Smith. Uh, but on defense, certainly, there's something to be uh, excited about, and they're playing fun games. All right, it's snakes to you, Mr. Rosenthal.
3: All right, I'm going with another early game. Bears, Vikings, can Mitchell Trubisky disappoint Bears fans one final time? This might be the biggest game of the week. It really is because one of these Everybody's teams—
2: so mean to Mitch. It is unbelievable what a punching bag that poor guy is. That's just the fair. way you set that up.
3: That's fair. But it's kind of an okie-doke because you just see the coverage in Chicago this week. They have so many people covering the game. They're so well represented in terms of their fans. And you just see like, where has this offense been all season? Where was this Mitchell Trubisky? Is Nagy back in his 2018 bag? Wow, <laughs> they've got a chance. And you can kind of see the hope building. And I, and I keep thinking, well, they just played the Lions and the Texans. That's where it's been. And, uh, this Vikings defense isn't great, but it's a much better coach than Mike Zimmer. And so I have some doubts whether Mitch can keep up this hot streak.
2: I love loser I would, goes I would point home out games. That uh, so we got two six and seven teams here, so that's nice. That's fun. Yeah. You, it's basically a race to nine and seven. It looks like for that final. Things can change, obviously, but in the NFC, get to nine wins and you should be in good shape. So whoever loses this game, uh, get ready for the golf course sizzler.
1: Well, I would just I would point out that our, our longtime friend of the show, Bill Laser. Uh, since he's taken over play calling duties, the offense he's not a friend, scores of the thirty show. points a game.
2: Well, I would say you know he. We gets just one use the friendships
1: where he has no. Yeah, idea we use a that he's sound a friend, effect, but, yeah. yeah, we use a
2: sound effect well, and we talk about it a lot. But he's not a friend. But go ahead, I just want to make that clear to well, the laser I mean, family. You know, I don't,
1: I, I, I was, as much as we're making friends with anyone, he's, he's a friend. But um, you know, David Montgomery has been a completely different back in a completely different rushing operation since Bill Lazor's taken over. So I don't know what that means. It's just that their offense has finally been watchable. And if you're the Vikings and you, someone told you a week ago on this show, "Hey, they're going to have the ball for 40 minutes in a Mike Zimmer fever dream against the Bucks," they're going to they're going to basically just give the Bucks very little time to operate with. And your kicker's gonna cost you 10 points and you're not gonna win that game. I mean, you've got to put up more points here. And I wanna believe in the Vikings, um, as you have in the past, Dan. But to me, part of me's just like, oh yeah, you're an 8 and 8 team and you're gonna take us on this snaking course all year long and it's gonna and ultimately just result in a 500 record with, um, some things to focus on in a very long winter's nap offseason.
2: I mean, the, the Vikings very easily could have won that game last week. Like you're saying, Dan Bailey completely gagged and he collapsed. And, you know, that happens, especially when it's the Vikings. The kickers always tend to find a way to destroy a team's hopes. But it's like when you watch that game, did you see a Bucks team that was like blowing the Vikings out of the water? No. It, that felt no. like a game that could have absolutely went the other way without this calamity. So, um but you have to, I will say this, Yes. For the past three weeks now, the Vikings have not been playing at a very high, crisp level. So, if if that's basically now the tenor of their season, I agree. Eight and eight's where this is going to be. Um, but who knows? Maybe they get uh, get right in this game and they do close out. I don't rule out them getting to nine and seven and getting that playoff mm. uh, pick. But they need to. They're in a bit of a funk. It's time to get out of it.
1: Yeah. I- what do we do if the Bears make the playoffs? I mean, I think that that um, would be. One of the more unbelievable uh, endings
3: to this season. I mean, it's very possible they got the Jags it. next week. I think they very finish possible. with the Packers, who could be resting their starters in Week 17. Well, that's, that's why this game is so big. It's
2: that's why this that is, game is so interesting. Big. You're right. I mean, the Packers. If they rest, this is a huge game. Oh no, the Bears fans. You guys are going to be so sucked in? Uh, I hope this doesn't go the way I think it goes with Mitch <laughs> killing you at the end. Oh boy. All right. Time now for Road to Victory presented by the United States Marine Corps. And, uh, yes, it is time to talk about the Cleveland Browns. And we just, you know, we just saw, uh, what they did with the Ravens, one of the great games. Well, at the end of this decade, this will be on the list of top 10 games of the decade. Unfortunately, Cleveland on the wrong side of the 47 42, uh, final, but at the same time, a lot of optimism still. Reign supreme in Cleveland. Now they go to the Meadowlands to face a Giants team that has all sorts of issues at quarterback Mark Sessler. This sets up well for the Browns to get that 10th win that gets them almost definitely into the playoffs. Almost definitely.
1: You, you, you'd think so. I would have felt a lot better about them playing the Giants back in week four or something. Um, this team, this defense, uh, you know, they were lashed. Their offense was lashed by the Cardinals a week ago. But go inside that game, there was a turnover where the Cardinals had the ball deep in Giants territory. And that Giants defense um, put up a pretty valiant goal line stand. And that tells me who they are. Guys like Leonard Williams, Chase Coughlin. These guys are playing really well for Joe Judge. So I think this is an interesting matchup. And let's not look past the fact that because Jason Garrett has been put on the COVID list, suddenly... In the one of the weirder scenarios um, of anything I've ever seen in football, Freddie Kitchens will be calling plays. The Browns ex-head coach who was dismissed after one year against the Browns. And it could be Colt McCoy at quarterback. And it could be Jabril Peppers at safety, the player that the Browns traded away in the Odell Beckham trade. Maybe you got to get Odell Beckham on the Browns sideline throwing tomatoes at the Giants. Like, How many revenge aspects could be going on here?
2: I mean, if you hit, there is a rule. Not everyone knows this, but if you get up to three revenge games... Uh, For one side, they definitely win. So Big Blue all of a sudden looks like a favorite here.
3: That's amazing. And your son, Colt, has to be feeling conflicted. Mark, you know, you you famously named him after Colt McCoy. And you have to be like, no, son, we're rooting for the Browns tonight. Your namesake, uh, who's going to rip my heart out with Freddie Kitchens. I was thinking about locking up this game for the Browns because I do feel like they are the much better team here and that Kevin Stefanski is going to prove us something. But all this... Voodoo, I don't know. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to be on the wrong side of that voodoo.
2: (laughs) You're nervous, though. It matters. Because you're so close now. You're so close.
1: I I think the Browns look at the one thing I'd say, and the way they got up for the Ravens game, and they've done a pretty good job of kind of here's the game, here's the result, package it away, move on. I mean, they they haven't lost two in a row all year. Uh, They've found a way to bounce back, and I I trust them. I think they're flat out Mm. the better team. Uh, They're they're a great offense in the second half. We saw that against Baltimore. Other Browns teams, when you're down 34 to to 20, they fold. Every Browns team I've seen this century folds in that situation. This team's a little bit different. They get Denzel Ward back. I think that matters a lot. I mean, you have to look at the Giants' offense and say, if they're going to win this game, who's going to do it? Who do you lean on? from the Giants' offense and say they're going to put up 24, 25 points and take care of Cleveland. I, I, I kind of struggle
3: to find that character or two in the New York Big Blue offense. Right, and you think about who's going to dictate. It's such a great coaching matchup. Patrick Graham, the Giants' defensive coordinator, or Kevin Stefanski. You know, Stefanski is like a pretty cool guy. He, you know, he doesn't give off a lot. But when you, I think about him as aggressive, and I think his offense is always dictating to the defense. He's always one step ahead. They spread the ball around. Whereas Patrick Graham on the Giants' side of the ball is almost always dictating defensively. He is not going to let like an offense come to him. He's going to make them a adjust to what he's trying to do. It's an offense first league. I like the Browns talent a little bit better on offense, but to me, that's a fascinating matchup. And it's one I think Stefanski uh, can win because he's got the horses. He's got the offensive line, which to me is like the ultimate equalizer, maybe the best offensive line in the NFL.
2: Have we given any thought because the Browns are analytics mad. They love it. They they have all sorts of uh, resources tied into that. Kevin Stefanski, not the most animated guy. In fact, maybe the least animated guy I've ever seen. Plus, you have a mask over his face. Just don't want to rule it out. Is he a humanoid? Is it possible he's not a real person? And the Browns have taken the analytics tilt here all the way to the sideline with a robot. Well, I, I,
1: would, I would say this. If that's the case... Um, I'm fine with that. It would it would raise ethical issues. Um, is it legal on is it the by the side? laws
2: of the league? I don't know. It's a handsome I mean, robot. I, no, I, don't think I mean it's that's a good looking robot the right there. Good looking robot. It, it would be well of course it would. If you're gonna make a robot, you might as well make it handsome. Uh, it <laughs> would be the, that would be the most Browns thing ever if they go eleven and five and then the NFL you know uncovers what's going on. And they're like, No, you're not going to the playoffs. You had a robot on the sideline. <laughs> that would be that would be terrible. But you know what, Mark? Back to serious uh reflection on this game. One thing Cleveland has done all year is take care of business, and it would be shocking if they don't do it here.
1: Really? Everything's gonna well, be. Well, they fun. have to. They have right. to. And then they, they got the Jets next week. You gotta get to eleven wins in this AFC. I think you do.
2: All right. That was Road to Victory presented by the United States Marine Corps. All right. Moving along. Let's step back into the Saturday schedule and talk about the Carolina Panthers at Green Bay Packers, the Packers, of course, moved into the number one slot in the NFC playoff uh, structure uh, with a win last week coupled with the Saints loss. So they have it all out in front of them. If they win out, they have the number one seed, and they have the bye, the all-important buy. There's only one this year for each conference. And then, of course, home field uh, for the two games in the NFC playoffs if they get that far. The Panthers, they've lost seven of eight, as we know. Uh, so it feels like it's going to be more of the same. A hyper-motivated uh, Packers team, Mark, with Aaron Rodgers with a passer rating damn near 120 this year and knocking on the door of 40 touchdowns. It's been astounding to watch what he's done this year. And you And you had a sandwich
1: bet? way back in the summer that he uh, could be the MVP. And he has nine no, games. all
2: pro, and that's in the bag. All pro. And I think it. he'll be an MVP pro. too. I think he's going to get both.
1: I think he could, he could pull off both of those awards. He has nine games with three or more touchdown passes and zero picks this season. That is that's the most insane. by any quarterback in <laughs> NFL history. So I don't know what else you'll want him to do. And I, I would say that the Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Connection is the most dangerous thing that any NFC playoff team can offer right now. It's been completely unstoppable. And, you know, I know people are down on Mike Pettin, but I still think that Mike Pettin in the defense can do just enough. You know, he's got a copy of the Warren Commission on his bookshelf back at home. I think the guy's an interesting character. We're going to get a little (laughs) Matt Rule on national television. I like this game a lot. And you know what? Green Bay winning the bye, that's great. This is one of the true home field advantage setups. Because you probably are going to get a team from sunny little Tampa Bay coming into Green Bay. You're going to pull the Saints out of their pretty little dome. They're going to have to go into horrible weather, and this could be the year that Green Bay says, listen, this is the setup for us to get back to the Super Bowl. People said that we should have gotten to five or six other times when Mike McCarthy was the coach.
2: You brought up the Bucs as the example. Tom Brady made his bones winning Super Bowls up in New England. So I don't know if he would be like, Taken aback by the, but that's, that's, but he
1: also said he never wanted to move or be in the, in in the (laughs) Northeast ever again. He has a nice tan in December. He's a warm weather guy now. You know how he's gone to LA. All right. I like that. Well, narrative. I'm not That's good. You know, I'm not going that far, but
3: his arm's fine. I think Drew Brees is the guy that you want, uh, throwing the ball in frigid Lambeau in January. And yeah, you're right. They're only three wins away. It's hard to imagine the Panthers sticking in this game. Their their offensive line. They're really an offense first team is really banged up. They might be missing two or three starters. And you think about Rodgers this year compared to last year and like the team's not. That different, but to me, it's it's sort of a great example of that. Even the all-time greats, I think, go up and down with the people around them. Whether that's coaching, um, you know, continuity, synchronicity, everyone being on the same page. It really is the ultimate team sport. It's kind of a cliche, but I actually think we almost make the quarterbacks into too big a deal because if someone as good as Aaron Rodgers in the middle of what should be his prime, can still have three or four straight pretty down statistical years. To me, that is kind of proof. Not that he's like part of the Dalton scale where he's rising and falling, but even the great ones need the entire team and his coaching staff to all be playing well together. And and this is a perfect way to show it because they didn't add anyone. It was like, no. But I think that... Like that, if We'd be putting it all on like a free agent addition or a draft pick if they had added anyone, but they didn't. Like, it's the same team, but they're right. all playing better.
2: That, no, I think there's a lot of logic to what you just said, but I don't want to take anything away from Rodgers and what it took for him to scale these heights again. These heights of supreme greatness. I mean, he's, he's going to win potentially his third MVP. And I think there it it took buy-in from Rodgers and uh, maybe some changes uh, to his mindset, uh, maybe some changes physically in the offseason. I don't know so much about that. But to get to where he is now, this has been something that I think even transcends a little bit about those factors you talk about, something that he did that made him this way again. And it's been kind of a marvel to watch, really. And
3: you think about the Panthers' defense, there's this whole idea of, in the NFL, well, make, make teams go down the field 10, 12 plays, eventually they'll make a mistake. That was the Lions' plan last week. I mean, the Packers' offense like, did anything they wanted against the Lions, but it was only a touchdown game at the end because they slowed it down. It's like, good luck, that's not going to work against Rodgers. He's not going to make any of those mistakes. He's just going to take your 10 plays, and he's going to score a touchdown, and he's going to catch those checks. All I'd say
1: is Uh, Carolina's not a team that gets blown out, though, this season. They're they're imperfect. They've got a ways to go. Teddy Bridgewater is not playing his best football right now, but they hang around in these games, and we're probably going to get a 78-yard Joey Sly field goal attempt at some point (laughs) um, because Matt Rule seems obsessed with that. But I think this will be an interesting game, but Green Bay is too powerful.
2: Probably no Christian McCaffrey again as he now deals with that thigh injury, Um, so that obviously is not great, and watch out it's going to be very frustrating for you Panthers fans because the Packers are converting 50% of their third downs this year which is the best rate in I, I believe almost 30 years and the Panthers are at the bottom of the league just about, they give up about 51% of third Oof. downs, a lot of conversions Oof. a lot of conversions and another huge day for Devontae Adams coming let's move on Mark Sessler, back to the draft, back to you
1: well, I got to pick a late game to organize how we cover these uh contests on Sunday. I'm gonna go Philadelphia at Arizona. And you know, I, I was staying away from the Eagles the, the best I could for the last couple of months because you know I'm sitting here trying to cover a game and it would I'd fall into a deep sleep about sixty-five minutes into half of their contest because they were <laughs> one of the most boring attacks I've seen. With the Jalen man. Hurts, I thought he brought life. He brought some urgency last week. Um, you know, the the first quarterback around to run for a hundred yards in his first Uh, game-like as he did, I think he he brings an element to Philadelphia's offense where they kind of operate a little bit as a berserker right now when we like to use that term for teams that can disrupt playoff um, hopefuls down the stretch. In Arizona right now, you, you have to deal with the Eagles, the 49ers, and the Rams. They are on the brink. They are on the brink, and I'm not seeing the best version of their offense right now, but you did get a little bit more from Kyler Murray on the ground last week. I think he's healthy. He's ready to Mm. rumble. Um, This is a fascinating quarterback matchup. I want to watch it for that reason. And I think the Cardinals' defense, you know, they're pretty frisky. They're not perfect, but they have guys that seem to make plays every week. Eight sacks last week. Hassan Riddick had five of those. I mean, they show up, so this is an intriguing matchup against a bad Eagles offensive line.
2: Riddick had 12 and a half sacks his entire career uh, before Sunday. Uh, so that was a long overdue, a uh, big afternoon for a guy that hasn't always lived up to the hype. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see Jalen hurts. Everybody wants to see an Eagles team without, um, Carson Wentz because that offense had flatlined and, and now they have a pulse again. Uh, so yes, I like that, uh, for draft pick purposes, Kyler Murray, I'm not going to go back to the well, Greg, because you don't like to hear it, especially for some reason. But, uh, you know, he had the shoulder on the Thursday night. If you look at the numbers and you study what, how this offense has changed in those three weeks, maybe it's just, it has nothing to do with it, but they are not doing anything outside the numbers anymore. They're not uh, creating big plays outside the numbers since that Thursday night when he had the shoulder injury. Maybe it has nothing to do with it because he made some really nice throws where he showed off the arm strength. But they, they have not been as explosive uh, this month. Uh, They
3: weren't in September, though, either. I mean, he ran well last week, and he threw the ball really well a couple weeks ago in terms of his arching, so I'm not worried about that. I I would like the Eagles in this game to make some uh, hay here, coming off their best offensive game of the year. It's almost like in Philly they're trying not to hurt Carson Wentz's feelings by pointing that out. But the the Eagles lost three defensive backs in that game. They lost their right tackle, Jack Driscoll, who was their backup right tackle but actually been playing pretty well. So, like, right when you have something good happen, they lose another four starters. Uh, they're not even out of it. Forget Berserker. They're only a game and a half back, and they finished with Washington. So if they could win another one of these games and get a little bit of help from Washington, they're not out of it. And this Eagles team does have a history of doing that in December. I learned that, Mark, by reading one of my favorite books. This is called Fearless by... Doug Peterson, oh, looks just good. like I, life lessons and um, wise thoughts and kind of just inspiration to me from a guy who reached the mountaintop and had accomplished everything in life and just beautifully written. One of my favorite uh, Christmas books to give to people, Fearless by Doug Peterson. I know you're a big fan, Mark. And, and if I could well, just,
2: I if I could piggyback off that, uh, Mark, I just want to say once a champion, always a champion. Right, so right. you I should keep that, that in mind too before you criticize Doug Peterson, Mr. So I'm not,
1: I'm not going to critique him. I mean, if, if he can again, um, have Carson Wentz sideline, and the backup quarterback comes in and leads them to another playoff Ooh. appearance playoff wins in a Super Bowl you know write a sequel to that book fearless I will read that too. one still fearless I'll read that book fearless too <laughs> still fearless
2: remaining fearless, fearless. Uh, yo there was talk about you know going into last week's game oh you know, the Eagles, they stink an offense so much. Does anybody believe that Doug Peterson is gonna be able to adapt with this new quarterback? Well it seemed like they did a little bit last week. So I'm with I'm with you. This is a good value pick, Mark. All right. Let us spin right along. Let's get back to the Saturday slate, the Buffalo Bills at Denver Broncos. Uh nice little game here. I you know, the Broncos are so kinda of up and down. Um there's they're not a they're one of those are the are they the best bad team or the worst good team type teams for me. So uh, they are a worthy challenger at home against the Bills. But I ask you this: I'm going to ask a, a straight question just to get this conversation going. Mark Sessler, is Josh Allen a superstar quarterback? You know,
1: I'm starting to think I'm starting to think so. And I mean, I guess the definition of that would be, you know it would be up to me versus someone else's definition of superstar but watching the last couple of weeks and also I think that um if you look at the arc of his development and all the pressing questions about Josh Allen coming into the season and people kind of looking at his game and saying these are things that can't get fixed uh, I think he's fixed a lot of them and I think that he makes the entire offense uh a hurly-burly, dangerous operation, tough to coach against. Um, he's incredibly powerful. I don't see too many things he can't do. And if he can reduce the mistakes, uh, which he's done, they can beat any team in the league. So th- that checks a lot of boxes for me. I mean, maybe
3: there's tiered superstars, but he's in that conversation um, mm, pretty convincingly yet. for me. Well, you do the superstar club, which I think is uh, great the way you do it. I think being a superstar takes... Some longevity and consistency, you know? And so I think Allen's on that path. But if he flames out in a playoff game, you know, if for whatever reason the end of this season doesn't go, like, no, I don't think he's there yet. Like, Carson Wentz, we might have put him there, you know, too quickly. Jared Goff had a little stretch. Like, we. Derek Carr's had stretches. People have stretches. And Allen is more compelling to me. Um, then those guys, I, I guess Wentz was certainly back in 2017, just because of his story and because of his physical traits. So as long as he stays on this path, uh, he is. But he's I, he's got to keep doing it. Like, I, I'm not yeah, I don't I'm think with that's you. crazy to say.
2: You know what? I, I'm with you. You definitely want to see a big playoff run. And maybe that happens as soon as this January. Um and maybe even another year of this before you kind of put him in that like top top tier of superstar quarterbacks guys that actually change the game uh, just by being there but he is on pace to finish the season uh, with basically every bill's record for an individual season highest completion percentage, which is nearly sixty nine percent which is was a major aspect of his game that uh people questioned most passing yards a game most touchdowns he he's he's got a shot of forty touchdowns this year, a good shot and a passer rating that uh is in the one oh five territory so th- i mean it's been an amazing ride and uh Den- the denver defense i know they've had Uh, Moments uh, this season and they're not a total pushover Uh, but I don't imagine they're going to be able to stop stop them so then it becomes to me does Drew Locke have the magic that he somehow conjured last week to keep this game close I
3: I watched that Broncos game hoping for like a great Drew Locke performance and you know what I, I don't think that was the case I think he had I think it was more about the scheme and wide open receivers and really wasn't Like a crazy, he had a couple nice throws, but guys were open by 15 yards. He did make a couple boneheaded plays, um, had a key fumble, could have had a late interception that gave the Panthers the game. So let's see it. I've seen though that the Broncos fans trot out, and now I think a lot of fans are going to do this with the quarterbacks that they believe in too much, their homegrown guys that they want to stick by. Trot out, hey, here's Drew Locke's first 15 starts, here's Josh Allen's first 15
2: starts. Yeah, don't do that,
3: but because, but and I don't think that I don't think that makes sense but Josh Allen's first you know year and a half like that's gonna it's gonna work that way cuz those stats are terrible
1: yeah, yeah except that Josh Allen is bringing things to the field that Drew Locke could only dream of doing just based off of you know natural gifts i i i, I think that if if Josh Allen takes the bills to the AFC title game and they go down to the wire um sure. i i i do put him in a superstar category but i maybe we just are seeing this differently I mean, we we put
3: Deshaun Watson in that category quickly. Longevity didn't apply to to that quarterback. I I disagree, though. To me, he's been a top seven or eight quarterback for three years. Like, that's how good he's been. And so I want to see that. It probably just takes one more season of Allen doing it. But you're right. Like, the decisions that he was making against... Buffalo, the pocket movement, like that's showing maturity. Like that's showing the stuff that Watson was showing his second and third season too. That to me is like you're going to stick as a quarterback if you're like that.
2: Right. This is a great Saturday game, uh, late season game because usually you're not. They don't give you like a huge big time matchup in these Saturday games at the end of the regular season. Uh, but if if you're lucky, you'll get a, a frisky one. This is a. Uh, You get to watch the Bills and Ascendant team. The Broncos, as I said, they're frisky. They hang around in games. And you get to, you know, pour yourself a little Tito's and and, and really sit back and enjoy it. I did like, I want to give a guy a little bit of love. He's not popular around these parts, I understand. Uh, I like that Pat Shermer, if we want to talk about that Broncos win over the Panthers, dialing up that deep shot to KJ Hamler to essentially clinch the game. Uh, I like when coaches... Uh, go outside the box a little bit and say, we're not going to run it three times to kill the clock. We want to, uh, stick the dagger through the heart. I don't think that's Shermer's MO, really. That is all about what Drew Locke likes. Drew Locke is a born gunslinger who just wants the opportunity to do that all the time. So it was good to see that, uh, aspect of the offense, uh, in a big spot. Yeah. It only took a little bit of love. Only took three plus months to,
1: you know, dial up a risky decision. (laughs) They got enough
3: talent there. That's, I think, why lock season's been so disappointing is because you cannot put it on the supporting cast or even the offensive line, which has been better. I, before we move, quickly, Fangio is a test for quarterbacks to pass. He really is. He makes Gio. things difficult. He makes even veterans like Teddy Bridgewater hold the ball, not really know what they're seeing. And so I, I don't think this is an easy uh, test for Allen at all. If he, if he blows the doors off the Broncos, that's super impressive.
2: Uh, the Broncos to your point uh Greg have drafted four wide receivers or or tight ends in the first two rounds since 2018 Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Noah Fant, Cortland Sutton, Sutton not there of course this year uh, but there is a lot of pieces there if you could ever get consistent play behind center. Uh, Locke has this is another ad- audition for him at the end of the season. he's got to nail it, I would think to stay seriously in the plans as a first string quarterback for them in 2020. All right, let's move forward. Uh, the old Zeuser up in the draft, and let me go with all right, Hamana, hamina, hamina, hamina. Uh Tampa Bay at Atlanta. I want to see the Bucks. I want to see what's going on with these Bucks. Mm. Didn't love the way they looked against the Vikings last week. Thought they would come out of that bye and you know be a little sharper than they were. Um on offense, especially. I will say it looked really bad early on. Uh, Brady looked out of sorts again, missing open receivers. And then they kind of put it together um, down the stretch on offense and made made enough plays uh, to get it done. But you have now Ronald Jones. uh, He is, at, at the time of this taping, up in the air. He had surgery, first of all, got a pin put into his pinky, which obviously is not a great thing. Uh, for a running back, and then he got moved to the COVID, uh, list. And I don't, I think we don't know if it's a close designation situation, which would mean he could be cleared for Sunday, or if he actually has the coronavirus, which would put him out, obviously. So there's some, uh, unknown factors there. Leonard Fournette wasn't even activated, cool. uh, out of the bye, which tells you that, uh, that. That experiment is not going how Bruce Arians uh, would have wanted it. it. Tells you Tom Brady like sent a
3: note, an email to Bruce Arians during the buy, or they met up right. and he was just like let's let's <laughs> get Fournette out of there. Yeah, like, this is no not working.
2: Uh, and my other thought before I throw it to you guys on this because I'm I'm going to be more Bucks leaning in terms of my uh, focus of this game. Scotty Miller he has a big 50 yard touchdown uh, while Antonio Brown uh, just. Uh, I guess settles into a possession receiver averaging about seven or eight yards a catch. So that experiment hasn't quite worked out for Tampa Bay as it turns out. Uh, will their offense be better in this game? We'll see. So I, I have such a problem with this
3: Bucks team. I don't know what to think. And I think I've come to something here and that's that Arians, even though we think of him as, you know, like a this bombs away guy, no risk it, no biscuit, He's kind of conservative in the way that he represents like old NFL values. First of all, he never goes for it on fourth down. He kicks a field goal on the last play of the half at the one-yard line. Give me a break. Come on. Go but, for it, Bruce. But in, an, in the other way, he's what I remember. People used to talk about, about the Peyton Manning Colts, and Arians was on that staff. And so that's what made me think of it, too, is that – it was like the teams like the Patriots who game plan each week and change things up and motion and do all this thing to dictate matchups, which at the time, not every team was doing. Or there's like the Peyton Manning Colts who are like an execution offense. We're gonna do what we do. You kind of know what we're gonna do and you gotta try to stop it. And like, and that's like how the Seahawks defense has been over there. It's like defenses are certain ways like that. And that, that could work with the amount of talent they have and it's worked for Arians throughout his career. But it doesn't work when, like, all these players are new together and Brady's relying on timing, and, like, the timing just isn't there. And so I I think that's why you see such inconsistency. Like, when it's working, it looks great for a quarter. But, like, when defenses kind of know what you're going to do, it's pretty hard. I mean, you go back to, to flip it to the Falcons, that when Matt Ryan switched
1: uh, coordinators and right. Kyle Shanahan came in, that first year was, you know, it's easy to forget, he was not the same old Matt Ryan. And then the next year... Uh, lights out super bowl appearance and i you know I, it's this has been a process for tom brady MVP. it's been a process for all of them i also think you're getting the you're getting you're truly getting the latter stages tom brady and and um you know it, there's just no way around that but i'm watching matt ryan right now and he's he's thrown five touchdowns and six picks over the last four weeks he had to apologize to the team after his last appearance and you know you got a coach raheem morris that if he keeps this job and these games are the main matter they play the bucks twice over the next 3 weeks They've had one of the weirdest schedules
3: all season. Um, but, it, you know, you, you want he's to show... Keeping, can... He's not keeping this job. I mean, the owner said he practically had to go 11-0. He's 4-4 four and four now. He's done a fine job, but I don't know. Yeah, I think he has done a good job. I don't know what, like, he, he, he is not dealing with a
1: full deck of cards in terms of this roster, and they've improved. But you're right. I think they'll do a wide search, but... Um, Good for him. I mean, I watched the Falcons. They they can't run the ball. But we're not getting Matt Ryan right now. I'm not sure we see, see Julio Jones again this season. So if the Bucks can't answer, you know, the challenge here, who are the Bucks? I'm I'm kind of with you guys that I thought early in the year that this was a team that would be on fire at this point, and instead I find them puzzling and and kind of um, a one and done playoff team potentially.
2: Mm. I mean, it really is. It is. There's something to take from it because it, it happens every year, and it, it's the Bucks this year, that sometimes a team, not to write them off because there is a lot not. of talent there. But if they, if they continue on this trajectory where they're okay and maybe they get into the playoffs, but they're not necessarily a big-time player – Teams peak sometimes in October, and and we'll ticket them for the Super Bowl, and then it's like, wait a second, this is a long season. They're looking yeah. right now, but things can I got change, carried away. They, I think, oh, I think we all did. We they all they looked when they were at their peak in October. Everything was humming. The defense was as good as any defense in football. Tom Brady had cranked back the clock about five or six years. Uh, He was getting on the same page with his playmakers. It just was all there. And then, for whatever reason, they have not been able to keep Mm. it at that place. Maybe the schedule plays into that as well. Here's the Um, thing, though. If they're the
3: seven seed or the six seed and you're the Packers or – you know, the Rams or some team, I, the Bucks, I totally have the capability to go win by 30 in the wild card round and then lose
2: the divisional round. But they like, they could just beat anyone on any, see, I, I don't really, see that. I, I, do. I, I mean, I could see them winning. I don't, I don't see anything from this team to say they would go into the playoffs and blow somebody out. Right. I don't know. Or I think I would have said that, you know, seven weeks ago. I'm um, hanging on. I'm hanging lost. on with
1: that
3: defense creating some turnovers. The well, you love them.
1: You oh, love yeah. them, Greg, because they they are favorably DVOA. They seem balanced and favorable and all that stuff, right? But I, yeah. like to the eye, um, you know, they have these moments and these halves where they do that. But they, to me, just I want to see more consistency, and they, they're not a very special running attack. I mean, to the fact that you've got healthy scratches from guys who were, you know, starring for you—if you want to use the word starring—a couple weeks ago, they don't feel like a very balanced attack. Um, win
2: this game, and they're in the playoffs almost definitely. That gets them at nine yeah. and five, uh, and the schedule's so soft. Anyway. They
3: play the Lions, and then they play the Falcons again. Well, so they're lucky they, they're in the they're NFC. Get, they're getting
2: in. They're getting all in. right. Let's uh, move on. I will – it's Snakes to the old Zoosers. And I will uh, take a look at another uh, playoff-bound team uh, playing against a uh, dead dog team. Houston at Indianapolis. And, uh, yeah, this feels like a really set up – it's really set up well for the Colts who – You know, this this rise of Jonathan Taylor changes kind of so much about the way I look at the Colts because they my whole thing has been I don't trust Philip Rivers. He's going to get him killed at some point with a terrible mistake because there's going to be too much on his plate. And he probably still will kill the Colts. Ultimately, I, I do believe he's got one of those moments in him, even if it happens in the. Divisional playoffs, or something like that, Uh, or even the AFC title game, you never know. Uh, But I just love what Jonathan Taylor has brought to this offense, the balance. And then you look at it, and I don't want to be like, I don't want people to misconstrue this because the Chiefs are the class of the conference. But you can make the case that the Colts have the most balanced team in the AFC when you look at them from each positional group. Uh, So I expect them to take care of business against the Houston team that's just completely shredded. We know on defense they don't have anything uh, to the point where J.J. Watt was so downtrodden saying we're not even competitive. And then Deshaun Watson doesn't have a lot to work with on offense because of suspensions and COVID and uh, injuries. It feels like a great spot for the Colts to get to win 10 and really crank up the heat on the Titans Mm. to keep up.
3: I think it does – but it, it, I also remember that game two weeks ago. They just played, and it could not have been more evenly played between these two teams. The Colts fair, were very fair. lucky to get out of that. Well, they also beat the
1: Packers in a, in a game where you know you wouldn't have thought that would have happened at halftime. I, I'm with you, Dan, that I see them as balanced, but I don't see them as special necessarily. Um, their offense has been helped I'm by Taylor. You. They've been helped a ton by T.Y. Hilton after essentially playing the role of a ghost. Early on in the year, last three games, 92 yards That's his nickname. Did you
3: do that on, on purpose? They call him Ghost like deep in not the recesses of your mind what, I, I feel like these, you
1: did
2: know that
3: somehow
1: Good some job. of, these, Just some of these nicknames I don't track like I don't why are we calling him the ghost
2: <laughs> old man shakes fisted cloud over nicknames
3: no I mean well why
2: so Tom Brady <laughs> I is don't the know.
3: Fi- so I have to call Tom Brady the pharaoh well no one actually calls that but for, for whatever <laughs> reason am I right I, I'm not I'm not even sure I'm right here T-Line, I don't understand I've never what heard is, him
2: called the ghost but what, is, so,
3: what is the
1: nickname saying that he is able to slip through defenders in days of old like a ghost would basically you can't find him you don't know where he is you know well that's how the colts offense felt for a large chunk of the season <laughs> now he's materialized into someone we can see in the flesh he doesn't even it's not even
2: on pro football reference which like Just as mark is Goog- saying if it's not there it's not really google ty hilton ghost
3: and you'll be taken to one three the official online store of ty hilton the ghost you can get some ghost material maybe i'll get you some For Christmas. (laughs) I mean, you've got the the Doug Peterson
1: biography. You seem like the likely candidate of the three of us to have, uh, you know, T.Y. Hilton ghost um, paraphernalia as well.
3: It's a good bit. Um, How about a little Frank Reich appreciation? In a year, everyone is getting mentioned for coach of the year. He's not going to. But you watch this team, and I think it's just a really well-run offense. I think if you gave uh, about 25 coaches this offensive uh, personnel, uh, they wouldn't be doing nearly as well as Frank Reich is doing with it. He presents a lot of problems for defenses. That's why I'm I'm with you, Dan. They should beat the Texans. I just remember that game from two weeks ago so well, and division games are weird, and, and it was so evenly played, the Colts were really lucky. So you're
2: putting it. them in that club, Greg. I like your your old theory that there's only a handful of coaches, and I don't know if you ever put a number on it. Yeah. That truly matters. I think Reich think matters. Frank Reich is in that yes. club. And he,
3: mm. for this year, we haven't given him a lot of pop, but I think he's... He's like a step below Kyle Shanahan or whatever, but in terms of offensive game plans and everything, yeah, I love Frank Reich. All right. Matt LaFleur, is he in the club? So does Carson Wentz. Remember him? So do Eagles
2: fans. Yeah. Um, Matt he's got to prove it.
3: He's got to prove it a little more. I mean, you would think 20-6 uh, can, 20 can Matt Matt two and do it. 22-6 <laughs> yeah. or whatever.
2: See, that speaks to my point. You know, Matt Matty LaFleur, the bearded boy, just can't get to the All right,
3: give, give Frank Reich Aaron Rodgers. See what happens.
2: Um, All right. uh, Let's move on. And that will now take us to uh, Mark Anthony Sessler. Uh, Not not
3: my middle. Yes, Edward is my middle name. Thank you. Mark Um, Anthony was, the I think, the bassist in uh, Van Halen. How about that? I think also a historical figure in in
1: ancient times as well. Mark also the
2: original Eddie Spaghetti. Mark Eddie Spaghetti Sessler.
1: That's true. That was my nickname um, in a parallel universe. I have no idea what you're talking about, Dan. I'm going to go... Well, there are a lot of dogs left at this point. There's not a lot to pick from, and I've already given one of my games to Shook, so I'm going to go Jacksonville at Baltimore.
2: You gave one of your games to Shook? What? We've Breaking already, news. We've
1: already discussed this. You know, he has got he is very busy on the NFL.com desk. They're whipping. Sessler making uh, trades mid-show. Well, it was a request from Shook, and it was the least mm. I could do. Uh, he will be getting New England and Miami, so I still have to pick a few here. I'm going to Baltimore. We're putting the clock on this one. Did you, you go remember, through the, ne- the necessary
2: clock? league back channels to make that trade legitimate?
1: Uh, it is legitimate as of okay. right now because I chose to make it legitimate. Um, hey, listen, one little notable element here with the with the Hollywood Brown and Miles Boykin. Are are clocking this, Ricky. Sorry to cut you off there. I mean, can I possibly get three <laughs> yes, seconds the, into this, this segment? This, this, this is absolutely under. unbelievable. I have this one falls. minute to talk, and you guys have interrupted me twelve times combined. Calm down, relax. We're just we're
2: setting up the mechanisms of the show. Okay. We before the program began, we set aside. Four games to set the speed clock on. Two-minute drill style. And you're not going to get just one-minute mark. Here's two minutes. You want to talk for two minutes? I do not want to talk for two minutes. This is your
1: world, baby. Get it, Eddie Spaghetti. I do not want to talk for two minutes. I will mention that Hollywood Brown and Miles Boykin, days after that Monday night game, have been put on the COVID list. Now, to your point with the last... Game. We don't know if this is they have corona or they are close contacts. If they are close, they could play this game. Close contacts is the expectation. That's the expectation. So you get them back. That's still a little bizarre to me. Um, You know, this is the Ravens team right now. (laughs) I think coming out of Monday night, they've been launched out of a cannon, and you're playing a a Jacksonville defense that last week was terrorized by Derrick Henry. So the setup. Um, for a team that wants to come in and run the ball all day long, feels inviting for Baltimore. I don't. I don't have a whole lot to say about this game, other than if Baltimore ever slipped up here, it would be one of the bigger um, stumbles that we've seen by a AFC North heavy it like the Ravens happening. in year. It's not happening. It's not it happening. So happening. I'm going to watch it's this game. Set up. I'm going to sit here. I'll have a. It'll be Sunday early. Oh, a nice you like the
3: blowouts. Cup of cocoa. Take this one. Yeah. Oh,
2: I love yeah. blowouts. But this also, this is going to be ghastly. This is going to be. I don't care about. Miles Boykin or Hollywood Brown or anything. Well, I mean, what if they uh,
1: have the disease? I would feel a little. Well, no, about I don't them.
2: care about that in terms of this game. Okay. In terms of its competitive, I really hope those gentlemen are healthy. Okay, and if they are ill, that they, it, it does not become a serious situation. I think Lamar is going to shred this pitiful Jacksonville defense and I need Gardner Minshew as the starter uh, to get me a W so the Jets don't need to go winless to get Trevor Lawrence but I don't ask Trevor I don't ask Minshew to win this game Mm. you're not going to hear me burying Minshew on Sunday night's podcast well I might uh, uh, because he can't get the win against the Ravens I need one win against the Bears next week not asking for it here I think the Ravens defense is a problem this is probably not the week it
3: shows up wouldn't surprise me if Minshew puts up some points Nine, in like a 42-27 to 27 seven, game or something, six, but I think they're a problem. They got a lot of issues right now three, up front. You can't blitz two, when you don't have your cornerbacks, but this, should, they have the nice matchup this week.
2: All right, let's move right along. Greg, you're up next.
3: All right, I'm going to take the uh, 49ers and the Cowboys. Set the clock, Ricky. We've got two minutes. This is truly a dead game. Uh, it is our last chance uh, to watch... Uh, Cowboys fans convince themselves that they're not totally out of it and they're like are coming off a blowout victory and they're putting 30,000 people in the stands to watch this dog team. <laughs> hey, how about have some self-respect? Uh The Dolphins fans oh! and the Browns fans are making more noise with their 7,000 fans outside than you're making with 25 inside. Good job oh! by the Dolphins fans, too, I noticed uh, last week. It's also the last chance... Uh, for Mike, Kyle Shanahan and Sala to like win a game, and us to say, Zach, "Wow, Salla. what a, what a great coaching job they've done this year!" Because I don't know if they're going to S- get another win, but I see one on Sunday. Uh, maybe George Kittle's back, maybe not. Nick Mullins is starting. I don't care. I'm locking up the 49ers.
2: All right, I like I, it.
3: Haven't haven't been home in uh, a month. The 49ers that could be a problem. Did not coming off a very good game, but I'm I'm very annoying.
2: Some uh, how annoying is the Debo Samuel season this year never yeah. could get his body right and then he pops a hamstring on the first possession last week he's done Kyle Shanahan said that you know you'll see him probably next year so uh that's a big part of uh, that offense loss and with it yet another reason for me not to care about the 49ers at this point Samuel to me is so fun to watch he's not in the picture Cowboys should roll here and Andy Dalton he took a should back roll. On. Cowboys should roll I just in I up the 49ers. I, yeah, I know. I disagree with you. I, I think Andy Dalton has installed the floor with this offense, and they're going to take care of business. Here
1: well, I'd room. be surprised if Dallas rolls in this game, but, I mean, anything could happen. But Zeke Elliott doesn't seem very healthy right now. He's not been very good to begin with. Um, I, You know, the, Niners, on de- the he, Niners have tried on defense. I think they put a lot of effort into stuff. But Raheem Mostert's also hurt. It's not just Debo Samuel. I mean, maybe they made a deal with the football gods and said, put every one of our injuries into this season. And keep us clean the next two.
2: Maybe. You know, in our locks competition, um, if you can get a W here, because Mark and I both locked up the Chiefs, if somehow the Saints win, which could obviously happen, and you get a Niners victory, you are posted to the finish line here, Rosie. There's a lot on the line for Greggy Boy. Next
3: game. Uh, I'm up again, and... uh, I guess I'll take that Jets Rams game. Greggy's
2: coasting, baby.
3: See, Mark, it's not just you. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, I'm gonna be focusing more on that Chiefs Saints game. Don't care, but someone's got to take this Jets Rams game. Uh, I uh, am interested to see uh, what the Rams do in terms of you know them running that two tight end set so much. And it really got me thinking about how the Rams have evolved since they lost the Super Bowl. They're way more able to be multiple. I think they're not as predictable. I think that Super Bowl loss helped them uh, go that way and. You know, they lose their left tackle and somehow they're the most rugged running team in the league all of a sudden. And that matches up obviously well for this week for the Jets, but even for the playoffs, I think it helps them that you don't know what kind of uh, formation and what you're going to see out of this Rams team. They're also the best team in the league, I think, using tempo. That's something Jared Goff should get some credit for. I mean, they snapped that ball with about 30 seconds, six seconds left on the clock. It's pretty amazing. And they caught the Patriots big time, uh, using tempo in that Thursday night game. There was one, um, this
1: is not really Jets Rams specific, but I love watching that NFL mic'd up, uh, which, you know, will pick five or six games to dig in on. And they did Patriots, Rams, and there was a moment where Belichick came up to Sean McVay after that game. And that was, you know, it feels like a year ago, but it was Thursday night. And he basically said, You had a great plan. And, you know, it's, it's it was two coaches congratulating each other, but McVay sort of said, appreciate it, man. And like I I could see like genuine emotion in Sean McVay, um, and I think it meant so much to him. And so it made me think a little bit differently about this Rams team. And the one other thing I'd say about Sean McVay is that he, I thought, made an excellent choice back in the day to hire Wade Phillips as his defensive coordinator, and to move on was a bit controversial. But then he went and found Brandon Staley, and I think that this is one coach that does as good a job as anyone at finding the rest of his staff because Brandon Staley has been a star for them and could be a head coach much sooner than we think. So, you know, the Rams are very solid and consistent on that side of the ball. Uh, This is not going to be another ugly day for the Jets and their fans. Stay
2: away. Keep your eyes closed. And if you want to, if you're looking for some hope, just looking ahead as, as a Jets fan, look at the Rams. Look at what they did. Jeff Fisher was a laughingstock at the end of that tenure. Uh, We saw it on Hard Knocks and an All or Nothing. And then Sean McVay comes in. Everything has changed. Uh, It takes one guy sometimes to change the culture. Do you trust the Jets to find that guy? No. But sometimes even a blind squirrel
0: finds
2: That's a saying, right?
1: I believe it is. I don't know. How are we identifying that squirrels are blind? Who's digging down to find out if that's the case? Um. When I've begun. The fields. I've
2: begun feeding a squirrel in my backyard. I wouldn't
1: be. I wouldn't get too close to squirrels. Yeah, that doesn't sound area. like a
3: good trend. You're going. No, suddenly, you're going to have idea. about. I've read this story. You know the uh, lead singer of um, that. <laughs> That God oh. punk band, it, who's living in Venice and has a whole house of squirrels living with him right now. Johnny Rotten is the is the name. Remember John, old Johnny Rotten. Hey, the Sex Pistols. Sex Pistols. Yeah. The goddamn damn punk band. <laughs> Well, I was blanking. I was the the GD was at myself. Are you like a are you like a parent in Wales in 1978 or something? I the the swearing was at was at myself. I couldn't think of the name. Um, But you know, he starts feeding those squirrels. He's just living. They're all living in his house. And like, you feed one, they're all gonna start coming.
2: Okay. No, I got this guy. We call him Gus, and uh, he he trusts us now. And it's not the right thing to do, but I think it's certainly. Driven in some part by the pandemic This need for uh, Increased intimacy uh, With anything that's living and outside the house I think there's some type of psychological tie-in Why I'm feeding this Ah. (laughs) Why I'm feeding this Squirrel peanuts Erica that is all I'm feeding it Okay Ah. so we don't need Orson Welles In that spot Okay. Ah. I mean, we we couldn't get the lock uh, sound for my
3: game, but it's, Orson Welles is just hanging out in the back room. <laughs> I have multiple questions for Dan on this topic, but I'll, I'll
1: take Go them ahead. Off no, mind. hit me. Hit me
2: with one more question, and then I'll move on.
1: I mean, it just doesn't sound safe. You're, you're, is, is the squirrel <laughs> eating the, the peanuts out of your hand? Ah. He, he
2: is. Really? He is. It feels it like it's like definitely
1: way. pulled from sort of um, like an emo 90s film. Starring like Robin Williams or something. But um I, I don't know, Dan. I wish you luck on this front. I'm really it's surprised like a, that you're this a close Sean to Penn prestige
2: uh, picture where like a simple minded man uh spends his days in the backyard feeding. Well the we animals. got that part so, right. You know, it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 that's the situation. <laughs>
1: All right. I I don't know where to go from here. We still have I mean to, listen Cecily, you're, you're a shut
2: in at this point. You don't let anyone near you. So don't come after me. I'm just trying to you know Find some love out there in the world and, and, and spread my seeds. Squirrels can ah, be nasty. I've seen, now you squirrel attack. Attack I've seen squirrels
3: attack, and uh, it's good you have them on your side. But what is concern. this? I don't
1: let anyone near me. I mean, we're in a pandemic. I'm not allowed to go anywhere. Like, that's that's not, that's not another.
2: Um, nice cover story, bro.
1: I don't know where to go. I, I don't know what, what's happening at this point.
2: All right, Mark, it, it finishes uh, with you before we, I think we have one more primetime game. Uh, What do you got?
1: Um, Well, I have one choice. It's Detroit at Tennessee. And, you know, I can't get enough of the Detroit Lions uh, in (laughs) mid-December. And so I will say Detroit, interesting that they announced that they would speak to Louis Riddick um, for their general manager open. They added Rick Smith, the former Texans GM, to that list. Thomas Dimitrov was, was put on that list this morning. So... It's an interesting wide net. I mean, we've talked about the future of Monday Night Football. Pulling Lewis Riddick out of the mix, who also is going to speak with the Texans, would be interesting. Um, as for this week, I mean, you know, Matthew Stafford is very banged up. Um, he's not practicing. But Daryl Bevel said, number one, I don't really care if he doesn't practice all week. We'd still be willing to play him and Matthew Stafford has said I want to play in this game so I think that's a TBD right now I wouldn't be surprised if he does and here's your job stop a offense in the Titans with I think the highest floor outside of the Chiefs in the league like they just don't have bad games on offense and what we saw from Derek Henry and AJ Brown and Tannehill a week ago um, I think they're on a tear they kind of remind me on offense of the Ravens a little bit where um you're going to have to cause mistakes to slow them down. I think Cleveland mm. didn't get lucky, but they, you know, they were fortunate to some degree that they stuffed Derrick Henry on a fourth and one, and the next turn, next next drive caused a fumble, and that threw Tennessee off their game script, as people like to say. Um, that's your that's your move. Can Detroit do that? Um, I don't foresee that, but they've been friskier under Bevel. They've been more interesting to watch on offense.
2: I love this stat from uh, NFL Research. The Titans are the sixth team since 1970 to average 30 points per game. They're right at 30 right now. And 150 plus yards per game. And four of those previous five teams featured an MVP, including last year's Ravens. And four of those five teams won 14 games. I mean, that is unbelievable. Shows uh, how bad number. their defense is. It shows how bad the D is. And also one other crazy stat. Derek, Derek Henry has a, has a real path to 2,000 yards rushing. And... Ryan Tannehill has a good chance of setting the team's all time passing touchdown mark. Wow. I mean, the eight, offense is just seven, off the charts six, statistically. Five, Ref, Tenry. You, you don't need him three, this game. Two, Get him one. ready for the playoffs. Fantasy point. teams do. <laughs> come on now. What don't do pull the Josh Jacobs here. Did, where did we come? Well, Greg, uh, try to, because I know you're a little cynical about fantasy at this stage of your life. Um, but I'm not uh, cynical. where do you come down? I just don't where, play it. Okay, so then you're a good person to ask on this. Where do you come down on Josh Jacobs going out of his way last Sunday okay. morning to put on Instagram, uh, sorry, fantasy heads out there, I'm not playing. And then he absolutely was playing. He was active. He 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 went in people's pockets, potentially. And then
3: afterwards, he gave him like a digital middle finger, like a, an emoji. With an the emoji, middle. yeah.
2: What are your thoughts on that?
3: You don't want to see it, but I ask everyone, <laughs> no, for, for real, like, it's, you can't do that, but I also ask you to put yourselves in a 24 or 25-year-old's shoes who's getting crap about fantasy all the time. He's had a very disappointing season and has gotten probably hundreds of DMs over the course of the season. Are, are You, as a 25-year-old, who's at the top of his profession, are you going to have... um the self-control not to fight back and do something stupid one time and that, I just think it has to be put in context with that because people other, coming after them is tough.
1: The other wrinkle to that was that Gruden had to pull him aside and say look I have been around the great running backs and I'm going to bring up names like Walter Payton and others and say they didn't They didn't only play when they were healthy. They played through pain. They played when they were hurt. And I think that impacted maybe even post Instagram post or tweet, whatever it was, um, Josh Jacobs' sort of role and thinking in that game. Gruden came down on him hard. Yeah. But
3: but the behavior is unappealing. It doesn't justify it, but I just think that is the reality. And so I think it's more understandable, you know, if you put it in that context. He's putting
2: his hand in people's pockets, you know. I, I'm now I've reached a, a stage in life where my fantasy season doesn't dictate whether I could like pay rent. But I, I've been in that place before, <laughs> like where I had no money and no business uh, being, uh, you know, in certain leagues. Uh, and especially coming during the fantasy playoffs, that was oof. I get it. But Greg, you're right. Well, they'll make I, a league
3: I, rule, honestly, if they haven't already, just because of how that affects you know, some of their partners, the NFL, as partners with this DFS company. So if you suddenly had players like
2: giving misinformation, that's problematic too. Yeah, that's fair. Um all right, let's uh, wrap things up with Monday Night Football. Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. Really nice setup for Pittsburgh here, obviously, because uh they're coming off back to back losses. They're they're certainly kinda out of sync and a bit of a funk offensively. If, if if you're not talking about the drops, which have been plentiful, you're talking about the general scheme, uh, which has been uh, pretty static and unimaginative and a running game that doesn't get going. So there's a lot of things not working on that Steelers offense. The good news is the Cincinnati Bengals stink. And they're ready to go home. Uh, so it feels like, uh, Mark, a get-right game for the Steelers. You would hope so for them.
1: Well, if they don't get right, I mean, I think the – media news cycle will go absolutely ballistic um they've got to handle this game they've got to handle it with ease i want to see that run game um return and get balanced i don't trust that it will their offensive line has not been you know in top shape they've had corona issues they've had injury issues zach taylor did mention that brandon allen did not practice today on thursday because of a knee issue that ryan finley took first team reps Um, I like Brandon Allen better than Ryan Finley. I don't like either of them much at all, so I don't know why that should matter at all. I mean, Pittsburgh, I think, needs to look at this game as a shut the entire football world up. Um, I don't care who it's coming against Go in and drop a nuclear bomb on a Bengals team with zero direction right now.
2: This game can't be 7-6 at halftime. I know Pittsburgh, right. even when things are going right on offense this year, they would go through little lulls where they would disappear for a quarter or two. Don't put us in that situation mm. as viewers. Give us something fun to watch, even if it's a blowout.
3: Yeah, the uh, it, it does make me think, is Ben Roethlisberger a guy you want playing in cold weather? Uh, it's kind of funny to think about that in the playoffs. But his arm strength is not the same. And and I do think that affects quarterbacks. It's That's why I, I wouldn't be as worried about Brady. Arm strength is not his problem. Um, but Ben, I don't know. It, it's so weird to think he might not be a cold-weather quarterback. Our buddy Tyler Dragon broke the news that Geno Atkins... Uh, and the Bengals are going to be saying goodbye to each other in the offseason, and Atkins is officially out for the rest of the season. So good job, Tyler Dragon, with the scoop. What a career Gino Atkins had there, but uh, not quite the same. And how about a little shout-out to Jesse Bates? The Bengals have one Pro Bowl player on their team. His name is Jesse Bates, a safety having a fantastic season. He should make the Pro Bowl. has been one of the, the best. Got to wonder if A.J. Green would um,
1: link up with Gino and get out of there as well.
2: I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, who wants A.J. Green at this point? What has that guy done the last couple years to show that he can play still? Well,
3: I'm not. He'll get a job. He'll get a job, but you're right. The market's not going to be super aggressive for A.J. Green, I don't
2: think. Gino will have a market, I would think, even if he's not quite the same guy either. A.J. Green, eh. I don't know. Um, All right, there you go. That is the full Oh, Ricky, who are you locking up this week? We, you know, we always have to hold you to a, a standard um, of giving us heads up on this, and you know, no oh, yeah. mid morning locks on a Sunday from the West Coast.
0: When you get a chance to lock up the Chiefs, you do it.
2: Well, all oh, three of you, no. great, put the stink on no. them.
3: Thanks, Ricky, we're, Greg, I'm, we're host. This is payback. Um, you know, this is this is just a uh, Jesselnick and Rosenthal vanity project. Um, Synchronicity, loyalty. Here, she's she's teaming up uh, and taking you guys down. Um, you know, since we worked together elsewhere. Oh, I, I was
2: confused it. about where you were going with that. I was like, oh, so you want you're me just, to take them down? So I yeah, you're helping. I you're you're helping me out. Are you sure, Erica? Have you seen that 49ers team, the way they, they get coached up <laughs> week after week uh, by the great Kyle D- Dan is
3: wildly confident in these Cowboys. <laughs> Give me a break. I, I'll tell you what. If you want, if this is this is
1: unappealing, this three. Um, oh, you're going to lock- switch off now? No, I would happily lock up the oh, Browns Mark. if you would allow me to. Go ahead. Well, I I don't want to hear a bunch of of white noise about that. You're not there's no mirror like I don't have to do
3: that either. But if we want to make things more interesting, I don't like it when anyone complains about anyone's lock. That's why you have to
2: have rules They're They're within the guidelines. But now the guy that wants to kill the game wants to install the rules. It doesn't work. The whole point
3: of wanting to kill the game is the game's got to have rules for you to play it. Uh, But I've got some breaking news about the Browns game. I don't know if you have the sound effect here, Erica. Uh oh. James Bradbury, the top cornerback for the Giants, has contracted COVID nineteen, oh, and man. just the red carpet is being rolled out. He will not only miss this game, but based on the timing oh. and that he did test positive, he might miss two weeks. Which uh, oh, that would be brutal bad for too. the Giants! Wow, he's been great for them.
2: Well, I it is think setting I up, up nicely. I have that no problem
3: cheap. whatsoever, uh, Mark. I debated all week between. Uh, all morning between the Browns and, uh, and my 49ers pick, uh, I think that's fine. Well,
1: what, let, 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 let's just think about one thing. If I ever locked them up two weeks in a row and they lost both of those games after I was one game behind Greg, it would be a classic crash and burn scenario that um, – you could sing about for the entire offseason if you we wish not
3: We can't spend the whole season saying how frisky the Giants are and how we like them and, uh, and the Browns are a little overrated it, to totally switch those narratives in one week. Just All right, I'll out. do it. So I'm I'll with you. Right. Yeah. I'm with you. I could see the Giants winning. It's not that I'll do that it. Crazy. I'm switching. I'm switching. And I'll alert.
1: I'll, I'm sure, you know, it's possible that it, the locked-on Twitter man is not um, following this at this point, so I'll let him know as well. I want. Actually, I, I want you to you go, go back think. to the
3: Chiefs. I, I like that one better.
2: Oh, All right, uh, there you go. So uh, Ricky uh, is locking up the Chiefs with me. Mark actually bailed on the Chiefs because of Erica. Think about that. It's <laughs> pretty fun. She got in my head.
1: I think the Browns would have won in real time if she had not done that last week. She oh, cre- she created a major ripple effect uh, that I don't do not find rewarding.
2: What Erica's mush powers, do they ah! actually extend to the Kansas City Chiefs? What a test this will be.
3: Well, let's see. Maybe everything changes now. She's, a, she's been mathematically eliminated. We've only got seven weeks left in the season. She's, berserker. She's eight back. Maybe she goes on a hot streak now. The pressure's off. She's the berserker. And Mark just sw- switched himself into total misery. No, I think
1: it's oh, more no. she's the berserker jumping on other people's locks, and then that person loses their lock. That's berserker. Wait.
2: What happens if the Chiefs take care of business, Berserker locks it up, the Azusa locks it up, and then somehow the Giants beat the Browns? What version of Mark Sessler are we going to have for the show if all of that happens? Mm, it's a good it's thing it's dark. Sunday
3: night, at least. It's a Sunday night game. He'll only be miserable for that last 10 minutes.
0: If it, <laughs> if it counts for anything, I do think the Cowboys are going to beat the 49ers. Right? Oh,
2: no. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> But you're the berserker now so i'm in everything's yeah. turned upside down all there right
1: one little Good note stuff one little side note i don't like to promote things at all but um i'm doing an ama on the reddit board the subreddit um around the nfl board tomorrow at 10 a.m california time so nice um i'm not specifically telling you two that i don't expect you two to care but just for
2: anyone that's listening i'm already um, logged into the room and waiting for your arrival all right ask me anything Make sure you check that out, the subreddit. I believe it's 15,000 strong, and Mark will be there. Good stuff. All right, that's it. Stan is signing off for Quiet Storm. The old boss, Ricky Hollywood, behind the virtual glass. Until the flagship show.